Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is, of course, the Distraction Pieces podcast. Um, and this is episode 273. You might have been thinking it would be 272, but I snuck a bonus one out on Friday, didn't I? As a little surprise for you. So, hope you enjoyed that. Um, a lot of love for last week's episode with Nick Helm. Uh, and this week's, I've got two guests, and they came to visit me um, at my studio, which was lovely. And it's Mark Grist and Ross Sutherland. Um, and it's a really good chat. We talk a lot about, a lot of you will know that me and Mark had a back and forth of uh, this this battle raps um, on YouTube a while back for Don't Flop. Ross Sutherland I've known for years from the spoken word scene. But we discuss all of this. Um, so I'll just let us get into it, really. What they were here to talk about is the podcast that Ross has produced with Mark, and it's called Mark Can't Rap, and it launched uh, recently. There's a number of episodes up. There's four or five up now. Um, and it's basically Mark who's done a lot of battles, a lot of spoken word. It's Mark learning to rap over a beat. But we talk about all that. The other thing I want to mention before we get into it is um, is Ross's podcast, Imaginary Adv- Advice, which was one of the picks of the week um, in The Guardian, I think it was. Uh, re- recently, it was Miranda Sawyer, who's always been lovely about distraction pieces, and she's just awesome. I should have her on the podcast at some point. I'd love to sit down and chat with Miranda. But um, yeah. That's that's getting a lot of love too. So there's a couple of podcast recommendations for you. But before we get into the episode, I will of course say that we're brought to you as ever by SpeechDevelopmentRecords.com. Um, you can head there for all your all your merch goodness. If you want to support the podcast via merch, then that's great. If you want to support via Patreon, it's a dollar a month. Patreon.com/slash/ScrubiusPip. We talk a bit about me and Ross back in the day on the spoken word scene only briefly but if you want to hear anything like that i do poem of the month each month on my patreon so you know for a dollar that's pretty reasonable um what else do i need to to tell you about i'll tell you a little bit i've just recommended two podcasts um if you want more podcast recommendations check out the pod bible which is the uk's number one podcast publication it's the essential guide to podcasts there's physical copies available but as of now there's three issues up at podbiblemag.com um so you can read them digitally online and you can follow us on all the socials so do that that'd be really appreciated um it really helps and it's it's great because on the socials we're always recommending podcasts we're giving you interviews from your favourite podcasters. The lead interviews in the magazine have been Adam Buxton, Richard Herring and Edith Bowman. There have been smaller interviews with Brett Goldstein, um, Helen Zaltzman. Um, I can't think who else. Who was in the first one? Who was the little interview in the first one? I can't think. I think it was... Um, oh, Craig Parkinson. So, yeah, there's there's loads of good stuff in there um, to go and enjoy. So I'll leave you f- uh, for now um, and enjoy episode 273 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. Oh, there's a few p- people that we mentioned in this who have been p- previous guests. I think we mentioned the Tim Clare episode. We mentioned Kate Tempest, who's been a guest. We mentioned Polar Bear, who's been a guest. 
We might mention Rob Alton or Holly McNeish have both been guests in an episode I did. There was a collection of spoken word artists for the Satin Leslie Lounge Camp Festival lineup. Yeah, I think that's everyone that we might mention that I've had on. Yeah, I think so. Oh, also, I should mention that next week's guest is Jed Mercurio, the writer and showrunner of a little show called Line of Duty, the biggest show of the year so far. Another little show called The Bodyguard, or just Bodyguard, sorry. Another show called Bodies. He's done He's done just so many good shows. So, yeah, that's, I think you can agree, incredibly exciting. Um, anyway, enjoy episode 273 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Mark Grist and Ross Sutherland. Just do what you want. Fuck yes, yeah. and we can just catch up and and, yeah. and chat. Um, I've done the the thing of starting rolling. Just, I mean, we were having a bit of a catch up then because just to give some. I'm, I'm here with Mark Grist and, and Ross Sutherland. Hi guys. Hi. Hi. I'm all, all presentery now. Um, <laughs> so I've met Ross a ton of times, and we've gigged together. I've seen a load of your gigs and shows. But me and Mark, have we met once, if at all? I think once when I, I think you got me a, a gig on at festival. I think that's it was like right, yeah. your last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were done the sack. Festivals. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the only time we've met, but we've had um, a fake online beef. That, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a back I only heard about this in the car <laughs> yeah. on the way over. Mark just mentioned something. I, I, I really want to know more about this. I mean, let's start with that. I mean, we'll, <laughs> right. we'll start with that. Then we'll go on to what you're doing now. And then we'll get to to, 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 to me and Ross's kind of past mm. gigging together. Yeah. But yeah, so we kind of... I'll I give mean, a my bottle kind of rosé, I think, is the... <laughs> It's, 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 it's a funny thing because so, so, so basically you really blew up with a Don't Flop video um, that was you against Blizzard. Yeah, it was, was build a student versus teacher. But that's um, a, is that a kind of that's a kind of reskinning of the of the yeah battle, yeah right? yeah. So what happened was I was I was interested in 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 battling. I, I was an English teacher and um, I started going to a local club. Uh, in Peterborough called Dissident. It was just a residential house they'd knocked down the walls for inside and it was it was it was basically a drug den. It was really pretty bad it was pretty bad. Like it got closed down after the competition. But I went down and started um battling in my suit on the club night and people enjoyed it and I found it really interesting. I found I was learning a lot from it. And so um I went and battled again with Don't Flop, uh which back then was like the UK's largest league. Yeah. And the battle they liked the idea of me going in and, and doing it because obviously it's like a teacher is quite unusual, um, like being in a rap battle because you can say some pretty mean stuff to each other. But uh, but everybody else on the bill was like an international battler with a huge amount of experience. Yeah. And so when I was up against uh, Blizzard for that battle, I think the uh, who was running the league had a lot of people on the event saying, why are these guys even on this bill? Yeah. And so he said to us, he said, oh, can you lean on the teacher-student thing to kind of make it more... Valid, and I remember when he said that when I was prepping material, I thought I'll, I'll say a couple of things, but I'll, I'll probably let Blizzard push on that because I think that might be wasted punches, and I'll just try and like swing as many punches as I can. But yeah, it went viral, went went 
it went kind of mad. Like I, I didn't really. Uh, it was it was lovely, but it was it was quite full on. Was that kind of interesting? Because also you hadn't like the writing. Your career as a writer had been quite separate to that. Yeah. Right? And then suddenly you did this battle. You were not it someone went, who. It def- went everywhere. Right? It went I, everywhere. I, I, it was on I the front it, page of, of Reddit. Yeah, it was the it was the third. Most I, I think it can't be. Un- or it shouldn't be underplayed how important it was for getting the kind of. I mean, obviously there had been more spoken words artists in battling but only a little bit i really feel that battle really opened the doors for such a crossover of rap v poetry and all this kind of thing i think it's a really important yeah um, i think it was a big moment exposure wise yeah it's the most scared i was ever been before anything i remember like literally wanting to run away beforehand and and heading through i i i i I found battling really interesting i liked the the game of it i liked the kind of like the tightness of having a, a set time limit that yeah. you're trying to basically raise your status and lower your opponent's status and that trying to use your skills and things. And I enjoyed it. And I, I liked Blizzard a lot. I thought he's, he's a really cool guy. And we enjoyed it. And we had lots of fun. But then, yeah, waking up one day and it had got about 50,000 views, which was a lot yeah. back then. But then waking up and I think it was on 250,000 overnight. And then I went to walk my dog and, and came back and another like 70,000 had been added onto it. And the it was, uh, yeah, I just wasn't really <laughs> expecting it. It was very nice uh, having lots of people sharing it and talking about it. But I did find it quite frustrating. A lot of people were quite keen to, like, kick Blizzard, I think, in yeah. the whole thing. And, and that was the thing that I kind of took fake issue with. Because it, it was, yeah. it got taken out of you, you your guys' hands. And I saw so That's many it. posts of it. And look at this guy schooling this chav. And, yeah, and just these yeah, di- yeah, yeah, disrespectful yeah. type words. And the fact is, it's a really close and tight battle. Yeah, yeah. I think both and, of you uh, yeah. smash it. Yet the headlines become teacher, school, student, yeah, yeah, yeah. or chav gets yeah. school, and all this. It's like and no. battling's quite a unifying thing. Like yeah. the first person you want to sit down with and have a chat to afterwards is your opponent, and you talk about the material you both had, and if you're very much united. If your opponent isn't good, then the the battle kind of falls apart. It doesn't work. I've had battles where my opponents have choked in all three rounds. It's been really awful. Yeah. And you're just really appreciative when you've got someone who's like, he used really interesting, intelligent angles. Yeah. Like he, uh, great wordplay. I mean, he used angles about like, you know, Germany changing its national currency and stuff. And he was 17 years old. And actually as a teacher, he's literally, I think the embodiment of what I aspire to my students to be, you know, yeah. that what I want to bring out in them. He's so creative, so talented and I don't think he went for any base humour when I did. And I thought he was really, really good. So, yeah, I, I found it really frustrating that, like, uh, I think the Daily Mail and the Sun even picked up on it. And the whole angle was this kind of sneering, ha-ha, teen yob yeah. kind of gets what's coming to him. And, and the problem was, in the video, you had the antidote to all of that if they'd chosen to use it. Because he did look like your typical, particularly that time, your chav-type thing. Yet, as you said, he was using in- intelligent argument, really yeah. articulate. That should have been the complete opposite yeah. of what they went for. Going, look at this. This is you think it's going to be some kid going like "fuck your mum" kind of thing. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. no, it was, yeah, yeah. it was. And we did some radio stuff. He said afterwards. mother instead of mum. It was. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> we did yeah. some radio stuff afterwards, and we talked about it. And I, I think also, I think if people see rap battling from the outside, I think they assume that it's all freestyled. Yep. And I think if you were to watch that battle now and you thought we were freestyling everything. I can understand why people think that was like an incredible achievement um, because it's not, it's pre-written. Yeah. You, you're working out all your material and it's much more like a kind of 
chess game in, in a way. Or, or when I look at it, I, that's how I kind of picture it. It's kind of you're trying to work out how to angle your rounds yeah. to try and get the best punches. I love the whole thing about how research plays into it as well, how you have to like research your opponent and you're yeah. trying to like yeah. in advance kind of work out what they might say about yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lovely element. It's really interesting. But yeah, I mean, in the interviews, we had a lovely time chatting about it and discussing what was going on and what yeah. we learned from it. Um, and I think when it was as noisy as it was, like you said, you don't control the narrative anymore and it just yeah. spins out all over the place. Yeah. And yeah, which is lovely. I mean, it meant that Don't Flop got to be at Latitude Festival, right? Yeah. And and there were more platforms, I think, for battlers and I think more people getting involved in battling who maybe felt that they didn't want to be there. But I also found it quite stressful because as a kind of a white middle-class English teacher, <laughs> I kind of feel like, I don't know, the white middle classes get to travel and go anywhere we want anyway, right? And I started <laughs> right. to get to a point when I was like, am I really... Now we're at what point am I like, well. I really admire and respect this as an art form, and at what point am I actually starting to leave like a thumbprint on it it's, because it's, it's too noisy? It's one of the interesting things with anything in rap culture is there's such an urge to separate and segregate. I think with the, the rap battling... It's the don't flop era. It's you get time to prepare. It's pre-written. That's a beautiful thing. Mm. Yet there will be people who are from traditional freestyle rap battling. Like absolutely, it's not battling. No, but yeah. then equally, when when we had our back and forth yeah. on videos or yeah. recordings or whatever it was, people going. So when you're going to st- step in the arena? And my my thought was, well, I grew up on people writing diss tracks to each other, not yeah. standing opposite yeah. each other. I record something, then you go away and you record. Something and there's there's so many variations of it. Yet, whichever station at which you got on that train, you're going to go. Oh, this is the real battling, though. Oh, yeah, you're, yeah. you're not battling in the. You're yeah, not battling yeah, yeah. properly. So I'll kind of give an explanation of what happened <laughs> on my part. So I'm I'm at Latitude Festival and, and me and, and Dan Lasaka played a gig and it was it was great fun and I was, was doing good. a spoken word gig in I was headlining the spoken word stage on a Saturday night and I was like it's a Saturday night even if it's middle-class latitude who wants to hear poetry and <laughs> I'm, I'm watching a few acts before i go on and there was like 100 or so people in there and i was like this is the, the bollocks so, so i go backstage and get ready and i normally have a bottle of rosé with me because it's something i can dr- drink to loosen myself b- b- but not get windy um so, so it's, it's perfect <laughs> for performance perfect for performance um and then i came on stage and there was over a thousand people there, and the tent was rammed, and there was people outside the tent. Oh, so this yeah. was, and in 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 my own personal life and history, this was an iconic gig for me. It was it the went, biggest. I'd, it was the most packed I'd seen that tent. It, yeah. it, it was it was amazing because the second poem in, I did a piece about self harm and suicide. So not a Saturday night party poem. Here we are, and I left a gap longer than I've ever left because the silence in that situation was just, it re- resonated. Having all those people there, drunk at a festival, but pin drop silent. It was amazing. So, did the gig, it went well. I came off stage and the Don't Flop lads were there and they asked if I wanted to do anything. So I recorded a brief um, attack on uh, on this teacher. That been, <laughs> um, and yeah, but literally before that even taken it off their, their f- f- camera, I DM'd you saying... I just want to let you know, I've just done this don't flop thing. There's no beef. There's no issue at all. It was just this bit of fun. And they uploaded it and you did a video response. Yeah. And then we went 
back and forth on, on two or three video responses. And yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was, was great fun. It was good fun. It was funny. Like I remember, wa- I remember waking up because <laughs> I, I, I'd gone back. I remember waking up and seeing the the message, and I was like, uh, oh, Scroobies. I was like, Scroobies messages message me, and then like, and then just like a flood. And I think it was. I think my time battling, I kind of got used to the kind of like the loudness of everything, the, the way everybody wants to get in, engaged in social media. When you're doing spoken word, it can be quite quiet. You can just yeah. do what you want to do. But suddenly when they said that they had the, the thing and everything else, there was like, we were, it's like we were surrounded on social media. Like everyone was just going like, what you got, yeah. what you got, what you got. So yeah, I drove back. Um, <laughs> I wrote a response and I thought at the time, I thought, oh, like, because I, I I hadn't seen many of the video call out things, and I thought, oh maybe he, like Scribus wants to battle, and I was like that could be a really big battle. I was like that could be big. Yeah. So I I I put I I, said, I did a video. <laughs> I don't think it was as good as yours, uh, but I said like come on then let's have a battle. Yeah. And then you did your piece with the acrostic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did that literally after that uploaded your return. I was sat in bed, <laughs> and I literally I did this acrostic poem that. Yeah. Didn't reveal it was an acrostic until the end, so it yeah. had a petty bit at the end of it. Um, and yeah, and then you, you did a one more in in reply to that. Yeah, right? yeah, and then I, I struggled replied. to remember how it all yeah, went. Yeah, yeah, and I just I... remember that I was, all my mates discarded everything I wrote because you said I, I, I look like Jafar, and they found that the funniest thing in the world that? ever. They were like, that? you're done, you're done. I was like, I mean, this whole acrostic thing they ignored all my boys were like oh, I forgot that I forgot next clever shit you tried to do you just nailed it like, the acrostic was good though. I enjoyed the acrostic a lot like um and uh but it played perfectly because you could then respond going yeah I do that yeah. with my students I'm yeah, yeah. a teacher I was I bricking it my... I, honestly I was bricking it the whole time that you would bring a beat in that's what I was scared right. about yeah, yeah. because I was there thinking okay I don't think we're going to do this like live and I was like if there's a third round I was like, if he gets a beat, I am toast because I can't do anything with the beat. Um, and so I was quite, I was very pleased. I think we had a very kind of polite. I think I basically kind of went, I've got, I've got Edinburgh in like a week, and I'm really, really stressed out. And we kind of like left it there. Can um, we stop this? We're both really busy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but again, it was lovely. But it was, it was noisy, wasn't it? Like I don't know for you. you I, mean, I imagine you get stuff online all the time. No, completely. It was really interesting because that mad thing of the people who probably first came at you for stepping into for thinking that you could step into the battle rap scene and then you'd won over were the ones who were then kind of you were theirs now yeah it was do you know what i mean so there was a defensiveness of no no you're coming at our boy now and it's like yeah i did like that was quite nice is i did feel like that was maybe it was a moment that i realized i i I, people had accepted me being in that space that was awesome Um, to see from my side because of how it was originally framed of this teacher stepping in it was now like no, no, it felt like all it's it's too s- s- symbolic, but it felt like all the students had gathered around and 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 defended the teacher <laughs> that, that in class they were originally. Oh, this teacher's doing her editing now. Like yeah, yeah. you leave our teacher yeah. alone. I loved it. Yeah, but no, it was um, yeah, it was good. It was full on. I I can see how um, kind of this idea of battling and like these kind of call out videos, how it brings out. The be- like how it how it encourages you creatively to come up with with your best it's stuff. Restrictions, it's, isn't it's it? restrictions, it's restrictions, and they've got a risk of failure, right? Yeah. Because you're you, you don't want to be the one that drops, you know, the, uh, something like noticeably weaker than the than the other person's. And I can see how it brings out more like high quality stuff. I still get people every now and then bring it up, and, and I forget that it's happened. And I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, that was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, 
I love it. Um, it's And it's fascinating because I think all the different forms of battling bring so many interesting, complex uh, layers. I was massively into all the Scribble Jam DVDs. I okay. used to, to yeah. get them online. And you'd have people like Idea and, and ADM who were the most intricate freestylers in the world. But then you'd have someone like Mac Lethal who mm. just had punchlines for days. Particularly at that point. Yeah. He's far more, more t- technical now. but And it was such a tough thing because you'd be sitting there going, well... That guy was far, there was far more talent there, but he ended on the best punchline I've ever heard. Therefore, he won. And it was such a, a crazy thing to see the, the, what the, where the currency is and, yeah. and, and what's worth what in that, in that realm. Yeah. I, I definitely found that. I think when Don't Flop was at its best for me, it felt like a Street Fighter 2 menu screen. Yeah. And you could see all the yeah. different, different battlers and you knew what their kind of like style was like and how they'd approach it. And so all the matchups, they're often kind of quite style clash kind of matchups. It was quite exciting to see what you, people would come up with. Yeah. There was all that kind of character and all, all that kind of variety. And I think at that point, like UK battling really was taking off. It, it really like had this kind of surge. But yeah, it was a weird time. I, I yeah, <laughs> I had a like, yeah film four like made a feature film script based on like oh, really? me doing the battle thing. Yeah, with Blizzard, it got really weird. Like wow. the script was pretty. I've got it at home. It was, it was pretty bad. It didn't get made, but it was. Um, I think in it like, it was really bad. It was like a teacher. I think in the in in the vid, in the script, I in between has just been really popular. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that I, I get like chili sauce on my knob at one point, like Brilliant. masturbating. And did that, that happen, Mark? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before every bout. That was my that was my good luck ritual. I think like I I, I had that would like, make you the blanker. I did. Of the, I, uh, yeah. I have some kind of like romantic encounter with a student it wow. was it was it was quite an interesting race That's and this, did the screenplay write all the raps as well uh they did write the raps they were they were awful they were they, uh, like uh, uh, the script was pretty weird like in the in it the teacher goes away with the uk rap battle team to go on a rap battle world cup and oh, wow. and, and you like uh, this the, the <laughs> I think the problem I had was it's School of Rock, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think, I think I think the school stuff felt quite unreal, yeah. and the rap stuff felt really unreal. Have you seen a verses? Oh, uh, okay, no, I've seen like segments of it, and I've kind of followed like feedback to it. Um, I, you've seen it, haven't you? Yeah, you saw it, isn't it? it? I love, yeah, it? yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, so yeah. He, he, I, I thought it was really he's good. I went in ready to be skeptical well, like, of it, but I thought from what I had experienced and yeah. watching, because I'd gone to battles, I'd enjoyed it. I just never, it never, it genuinely, it's that stupid thing of people forget that what you are passionate about isn't what everyone's passionate about. So yeah. people who make albums or say, oh, these, these battlers could never make an album. It's like, well, maybe they don't want to. And yeah. similarly, battlers will often go, oh, you couldn't hold your own in the, in the arena. It's like, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's that weird thing, but... From what I'd seen of it, I thought it was a re- it really got into that scene and told the story. And, and having as someone like Sh- Shotty in there was was perfect because he's just brutal and venomous and such. Yeah, a- yeah, yeah. And it gives it an authenticity as well when yeah. you've got someone who's who's basically the top of the UK game as the villain within within the whole thing. I mean, from what I have seen and I've heard, I think people are pretty proud within Battle Rap that it yeah. exists. I was ready for the raps to be sh- sh- shit again, yeah, as you were saying yeah, yeah. on the script. But has I think, the script writer I think, written this? But I think Irv was bollocks. involved. Who yeah. heads up? Don't flop. I think he was involved in writing that, and I think Shuffle T 
I think who's great writer. I think he yeah. was involved in writing a lot of the content. And I think that's the right way to go. Um, I haven't seen Bodied, the, uh, the, the kind of... No, I've heard M&M mixed things about the, that. One. Yeah, I think it's been pretty... It, it, it's got a much higher budget, and I think yeah. it's been pretty like pretty big and bombastic and there's some more kind of comedy beats in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I kind of, I do want to check that one out as well. Yeah. It's good. Well, I mean, it, 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 it leads on nicely as you were saying about, are you are worried if a, if a beat comes in, oh, um, geez, yeah. when we were going for pack forth, it leads on to, to one of the things or, or again, Mark, you've been requested as a guest on the podcast at, a load of time Ross kind of everyone from the spoken word scene I'm always excited to have one at some point and catch up but it's always timing and this seemed like the perfect timing because you two have got a podcast called Mark Can't Rap so what was the basis of that and what kind of yeah tell us about it um I suppose one of the initial things for me was actually what, what we talked about with not having control of the narrative. And I found that with the battling thing, I didn't really get to explain what I was trying to do or why I was there. Yeah. And podcasting, Ross is so good at podcasting. His show, Imaginary Advice, is amazing. It's like, uh, it's, it's a great poetry kind of fictional podcast that won the, the, the award at the, the Podcasting Awards last year. And amazing. Ross moved to Peterborough and we. Started hanging out. We started playing D and D together. And... I'm, I'm comfortable with you being yeah. identified as my dungeon master. Mark. Yeah. That's okay. Um, I'm, 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 I'm happy with that. And we just um, started talking about stories. This is the very table that my mate Chris brings around his board games for us to play on. Oh. I'm not a massive expert, but I'm the one of our friends who will accept it and go. <laughs> I'm happy to spend five hours just. I mean, part of the joy is having him explain all the rules for half an hour and me knowing that he cares far more than me. So it's going to have... A, I just get a buzz of him sitting in that exact seat for ages, rubbing his chin and thinking of his move. And then it comes to mind and I go, well, I guess I'll do that, I'll do that, and I'll do that. All right, it's your go again. <laughs> it's just kind yeah. of the, the frustration of my blasé approach. But yeah, anyway, continue. Um, yeah, I think we just like the storytelling side of it. And we were talking about, about stories and I said I, I never really felt like when I kind of got involved in rap battling, I felt like I hadn't really gone all the way from, from poetry that I was comfortable with into rap. I felt like yeah. I'd found a space where because it was pre-written and it's not freestyled, you can kind of get away with writing just a mean poem yeah. about someone. And I thought it would be really, and I remembered that my big fear was that you would try and do something on a beat with it within <laughs> that. And I thought that is, that's really scary. And we talked about whether there's something in that. And obviously I have a few contacts from having, done battling and and it seemed to make sense that we tried to make uh kind of a narrative podcast kind of in in, in the vein of kind of startup or something like that yeah or, or or this american life where i i kind of i go out and i i try and meet mcs and see if they can if we can prove that i cannot rap really and if they can show me the skills and if i can do it then we all agreed that it's a craft and and I like the idea of making something that that shows maybe teachers that like rap should be taken a little bit more seriously as as a as a real working yeah. craft like any other form of writing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the idea, wasn't it? We wanted to yeah, go with. Yeah, totally. And I think like it was interesting hearing you talk about things in terms of like trying to create almost like a syllabus with each of these like MCs kind of teaching like a different class. You know, like thinking about things like breath control and thinking about yeah. in terms of like writing. But um, no, yeah, it's. It, I think the more that we've worked on this kind of model uh of like of this show the more confidence i've kind of got in the format and that we're doing the kind of like 
two things where it's like an interview podcast series and it's also like a quest narrative. Yeah. And so through the interview series it's about putting letting like amazing UK MCs talk in their own words and tell their story. And yet also we've got this idea of like taking like the lessons that they've put out there and trying to build it ourselves. Because the thing is, like, there's loads... Of, you listen to them. You listen to, 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 to any UK MC doing, like, their fully finished, like, polished verse. And sometimes you can't get a purchase on it. It's just like, this is magic. I don't yeah. understand yeah. the process behind this at all because all the edges have been sanded off. Like, all the, uh, all the working is all kind of, like, hidden. So I quite like the fact that we get to kind of that through trying to like do it uh, like ourselves, we're sort of, you see something half finished, you see like a work in progress yeah. and like you always learn more from seeing something when it's, you know, in that first phase, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and getting to see the workings out is, is, is fascinating. Cause again, I think anything, anything that sh- shows you the, the inner workings of any craft is, fa- is fascinating. Cause mm. a lot of good rap or a lot of the best rap, you can just enjoy it. You don't have to think about the inner workings, but then when you do, or when you can, and you can go under that that level, it's fascinating. I had when I I started putting out hip hop, I was v- v- very much the message is key, the the content, okay. it, it, That's it's everything. The message is, is everything. And then on my second album, I was like, I'd learned, I'd been looking at like I toured with B Dolan, who's a great MC, and he was really strict on his breath control. I mean. Partly, and he, he won't mind me saying this, he was extra strict on his breath, or he felt I could get away with less technical breath control because I was slim and in shape. And he's a bigger dude at that point. He was yeah. like, I need my breath control to be able to smash smash these gigs properly. Yeah. I could rely a little bit on natural stamina or whatever else, um, which is shit, because it, it's stopping you being as technical. So it was touring with people like him and of listening to people like Tech Nine and breaking down people yeah. like Aesop Rock, who I've always loved, but then you suddenly go, wow, if there's, there's rhymes within the rhyme I hadn't even noticed. There's syllable references and all sorts of other things. So on my second album, I was obsessed with technique. And on my third album, it was that kind of realising. I'd, I'd listen to people like... I'd realised from people like Big Daddy Kane and KRS-One and stuff like that that... You don't have to choose between the two. <laughs> it doesn't have to be content or technique. That's really you can interesting. Do yeah. b- both. You, you have to put more time in, yeah. but you can make it work. And again, it's similar where it becomes a puzzle. So it's yeah. exciting to figure out. You're like, right, here's what I want to say, but I want multi-syllable rhymes. I want rhymes within there. So it, it could take you a, a week, a month yeah. to get that two bars done because you want it to be intricate and all to work and uh, uh, yeah. f- for you Scrooge when did the, did the music come in first or did you have the idea first normally where, whereabouts it, it really v- varied so my I was speaking who was I, I speaking to, to about this recently I can't think I, I, no I was speaking to, to In Your Elms recently yeah amazing right? and he was similar to me where he got into spoken word out of necessity or no he for me, it was more, I I fell in love with spoken word out of necessity rather than a love of poetry. I then grew the love of poetry. I was a fan of rap, but you're, you're in the small town I've lived in my whole life at the moment. There's not an abundance of producers knocking about the streets. Yeah. So I started doing spoken word because I had no one to make beats for me. And then I fell in love with spoken word because I found Saul Williams. I found the UK scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So yeah, and it's it was a great always... space to just get work to write stuff and put it in front of an audience nice and quickly. Completely, and, 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 the, the yeah. speed of that turnover. I definitely yeah. think spoken word, comedy and rap, really, are the the bastions of, of, of freedom of speech and social commentary these days because they're the ones that you can turn it over quickly. Yeah. And we see that when American MCs are dropping stuff a week after a young black kid's been sh- shot in the streets. It shows the urgency of these, of these art forms. Um, yeah. But again, it's f- fascinating. It can also make the art form seem disposable or not skilled or yeah. not technical. And that's yeah, yeah. what I like about the idea of this podcast. It's yeah. going, right, most deaf can drop a track a week after something's happened, but it's because he's had 20 years yes, of absolutely. flexing and crafting so that he can go, I'll write this in an afternoon. Yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's the work that's been put in to do that in an afternoon yeah, yeah. rather than, oh, raps, you can just make them up. It's easy. It's like, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think I definitely <laughs> learned that as the, as the podcast series goes on because we have Tony Dion first of all, who you know is undefeated UK battle rap champ with, with with Don't Flop. Like no one could ever beat him in all that time, and he was helping me out and and he just explained part way through. He's like, I've been doing this for thirty years, wow. and I just thought about it on the way home, and you're there going thirty years like rapping and working at it. I mean, the, the, everything I'm trying to do, he's He's seen and, and experienced and thought about 20, 29, 28 years yeah. ago or something like that. It's just, it's mad to even think, I, you know, the best I can do is try and do the best that I can, take what, what I get from them and, 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 and try and grow. And I think a lot of it is acknowledging that it is a very complicated craft. Yeah. And I've just got to enjoy being in the space and, and trying to improve, I and, suppose. And what's fascinating to me about it is the kind of old saying of, or the old aggressive saying of I've forgotten more than you've even learned kind of yeah, it's, yeah. is that's what I think is excites me about hearing this as a series is there will be MCs who because of the questions that you're asking are realizing stuff that it's become a second nature to them yeah uh, I mean they're, yeah, they're yeah. having to look at their own craft but go oh why do I construct it like that oh yeah T- 10 years ago yeah. I had that breakthrough and I realized that this works it's not something that they're conscious of now yeah but it, Getting to break that down and question it will, yeah, will bring that, that that out of everyone. I have it all the time with when people are bring up particular things from any of of, of my rhymes, and because once it's finished and once you tour it for a year, you're not thinking about any of the intricacies. Yeah. You, you, you are thinking about the performance. It's all a second nature. Yeah. So it's beautiful when someone highlights something and it gives you that kind of flashback to, oh shit, yeah, that's really that was. A, a, a mission to get to go on that journey. Now it just it flows because that's how it's always been. But did you ever have anything that you had to like unlearn or anything that you did? Because one thing I was wondering is what I find really hard, or I've been finding all the time when I'm, I'm doing this, is I keep when I get the beat, I keep trying to pack too many syllables. Yeah. Into the line, I don't give any space for breath. And you mentioned before about breath. Yeah. On your second album, did you ever do anything like that at all? Yeah, completely. And space is absolutely. Key. I mean, weirdly, one of the big highlights for it was Polar Bear, a spoken yeah, word I was just yeah. hearing him say. It's the space between the words that yeah. deserves to shine. And, and realising that that can be the moment to give the listener a breather. Because if there's a beat as well, if it's spoken word, it can still be a lot to take in. But if there's a beat as well, you're ramming too much in. Yeah, The listener can't take it all in. And that can be a beautiful thing. Again, I'll, ref- I'll reference Aesop Rock again. There's tracks of his I've listened to 
a thousand times that I listen to now and find something new that I've not noticed before. But as a writer, unless that's, that's your intention, then you're wasting your muscles or their muscles or yeah, their yeah. listening muscles, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah, space is something I've never managed to learn or get disciplined on. I always think of it when I'm not writing is the amount of rap songs I love where they're not m- m- married to the rhyme or the rhyme pattern. Again, as an obsessive, yeah, yeah. I get obsessed over that. There's tons of great raps that just have got bits that don't rhyme. They yeah. just sound awesome. P.O.S. is a great example. He's one of my favourite MCs. There's tons of stuff that, again, it'll be 30 listens in. I'm like, oh, that, that, that didn't rhyme at all. Yeah. I, would never have, I would never have had the confidence to write that because I would have gone, well, I need to get the rhyme in place. Yeah. But he's like, no, that's the that's how it goes. That's that's the content. So, so there was like an exercise that we tried on the podcast, which was just like picking up a book at random, oh yeah, right. and then putting a beat on, and then trying to just like like read the book out yeah. loud to the rhythm of like the song. It's like it can be any text. Let's try and get used to like just yeah. just imp- in an improvisatory way, just trying to fit it on. It's yeah. hard, but like a good. Yeah, like it's a, a great exercise. exercise. And I think that was one of the things I found really difficult. You realise you get used to talking a certain quite limited range of rhythms. And as soon as you have someone else's words that you don't have control of and you've just got to try and say it in a way that fits with a beat. Yeah, just trying to read the highway code to, yeah. uh, to, yeah, to yeah. a beat. Then actually suddenly you give yourself licence to really just play with rhythms and that's all you have to think about. Um, yeah. you kind of And you, there's no risk of failure because it's not your own words. So Yeah, 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 that's... Yeah. I found that really, really That's helpful. That's a great point. It's already there and you can't change it anyway. Yeah. So you yeah, just yeah, have yeah, to, yeah. to work yeah. with what's there. I found there. that all the time. Whenever I, I work with students in school, I think uh, like restrictions and restraints, like in battling, yeah, yeah. really helpful for creativity because it kind of removes yeah. some yeah. elements of, of 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 potential failure and embarrassment as well because you're going, well, I've got to, these are the parameters I've got to kind of That's exactly what yeah. one of the things I'd... I'd a barrier I set for myself when we were going back and forth on these videos was I wanted to upload my video an hour after yours. Yeah, you were really quick. I was like, I'm doing it. I want to have that restriction of going, <laughs> yeah. right, I'm not going to step in the arena, but, you know, yeah. uh, this is going to be quick. This is there's, there's Because, again, I was still in that middle point of what I loved in rap. I loved yeah. the freestyles, but, but, but then I loved the fact, I mean, t- to be frank, the quality assurance of them not being freestyles. If, if people have had time to think about it and plan it, the quality is always going to be that yeah. or guaranteed higher. Yeah. Obviously, if it's freestyled, it does mean you then get them bits that if it is amazing, it's more amazing. Because Can you freestyle then? No. I can't at freestyle at all. Not at all. Again, B. Dolan has been trying to get me to... to because, he, he again, he did it. He, he studied. He, yeah. he, was, he had a tour scheduled with Atmosphere. And he was their main support, and they were doing a thing every night. But they just had a f- fifteen minute bit where anyone that was around who they knew would come out and freestyle, and they wanted him to be part of that. So he every day when he drove to the shops, when he's walking around the supermarkets, he'd, f- he'd freestyle constantly, and he became an amazing freestyler in a month or two because he was just that constant that yeah. learning of that muscle, and it annoyed him because. Whenever you, you, you're going through something, you kind of want someone else to be going through it. And he'd be hitting me up all the time. Just, like, just do it. It's amazing. I'm like, I don't want to freestyle, but <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I have no desire to. Yeah. He's like, no, no, but I'm getting so much fun. I'm like, great. I can't wait to hear it, but <laughs> I don't want to do it. So, uh, uh, Ross, you take up the production side of this. And again, it feels, 
you've been doing a load of different production over recent years, and it feels to me as, I mean, as a fan, it feels so natural. Because one of the things I always loved about your shows was kind of the production of them, the thought that would would go into them. Your mm. your um, tape, what was it called? Oh, the yeah, rewind. The video tape, uh, standby for tape backup. Yeah, yeah. The, I caught that at the fringe the year I was doing the fringe, and it was. One of the best things of that year, and one of the best things I've ever seen. I yeah, just thought it was amazing. Incredible. The, the production of it, particularly, I think the fringe is at times a tough place for spoken word artists because yeah. for comedians, you build a show. For spoken word artists, sometimes you'll either build a one man show or sometimes it will just be here's some poems. But to find that middle ground, and yours was, it was a full show and it was this amazing performance. But even going back further, you always jumped out to me when we're on the scene together because everyone would be getting up and doing a poem and that's cool because you've you've written it you've got it you, you might have it in front of you you might have learned it but you and Chris Hicks would regularly get up and do stuff <laughs> together and that just instantly showed me a level of production ahead of what I was doing because you had to be in a room with another person and you would be delivering it together and then one would stop and the other one would continue and it would be this instantly it took it to that next level so hearing you stepping in the production direction just felt so logical from what I knew of your of your own pieces as yeah. such. Yeah, thanks, man. That's so nice. I like, yeah, I, uh, yeah, because of yeah, my background was was poetry and spoken word. But I think, and this increasingly happened the more time I did spend at the Fringe, yeah. uh, was that like I like poems, but I like poetry when it is shuffled with a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. You know, like because like once you go into like a poem and like particularly the kind of stuff I write. You kind of start operating in a more of like a dream world type thing as a kind of more dreamy logic. You know, there's more emphasis on, on like the musical language rather than the words and all those things. Great. I love dreaming, yeah. but I don't want to live in dreams for like, you know, like put permanently, right? I want to be able to insert a dream sequence into something that's not dreamlike. I want to yeah. be able to move. And I think that's what a lot of my own podcast started to develop rather than it being, hey, here's like a, a poetry set, which I've recorded and put online it's more like it's just one long introduction I mean I've dropped a poem somewhere into the middle of it so so now it's just like an essay with a little dream sequence in the middle but I think that flexibility of kind of like thinking about inserting poetry into other stuff and a lot of it also is I think that even if it doesn't feel like a poem I tend to approach projects with the same kind of like logic so even when I'm making like short films or documentaries and stuff like that i'm really interested in and like you guys just been talking about it like like working out what the game is what are the rules how can we kind of like create like a rule system inside this project and then we just play the game and then the work that comes out is just the byproduct of that you know so it's quite nice because also i mean it's the same i feel it when trying to teach creative writing in schools as well we're really comfortable playing games. We're really comfortable with it. We're, we, we're from birth, we're taught about the idea of being like a good loser. You know, like <laughs> sportsmanship <laughs> as a concept is about like going like, hey, well, someone's got to win and you can try harder next time. But we're really terrified of the idea of losing art. And that, that's something that feels yeah. kind of like scary to us. So if you can just like gamify art, then suddenly the question of like, who am I and who, sh- who should I be on stage? You know, like what, what right do I have to be here? Those questions gonna go away because, like, it's like you say, like trying to write like some some bars in a particular structure, you might like, well, I just have to solve this puzzle, and yeah. what comes out is what comes out. That came from the back of my head. I'm the only person who could have written in that way, 
And so, you know, like, I played the game, this is what came out of it. And I, I love it. I, really I, like it. I love the idea of gamifying that kind of process of creation, because there is such pressure on it, particularly as uh, uh, when you're an artist and you are your own product as, as such, mm. there's such pressure on, well, I've spent a load of time on this. Is it good? Is it shit? Am I yeah. going to be able to tour it? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? And it can stop you doing so much stuff. One of the big, he doesn't know, he probably doesn't remember the conversation, but me, Polar Bear, and Moose Rockwonga were out once. And and, and we learned that Moose, like we were big fans of his first, um, a cultured left foot, his first book about football and yeah. this beautiful book. And then he just casually mentioned that he'd written six before that, that he's never shared with anyone and they're on a hard drive. And that was just massively inspirational to me because it's like, so you've written not one full novel, six full novels, <laughs> wow. and you, but the process of it has led you to this and stuff like that. And and that was really important to take that weight and pressure off what you create. So it doesn't have to be like everyone, I often get people hit me up now. It's like, have you got any unreleased B-sides and stuff? It's like, yeah. No, pretty much everything I ever wrote, I released. I, yeah. I, I literally, I created it. I spent time on it. And I went, well, that has to be released now because I've created it. And it's because there was that weight and pressure on it. And I think it's a beautiful thing to to gamify things means that you're then completing the game is the goal. After right. that, yeah. it's a bonus. If it then gets to be a show, yeah. if it then gets to be a TV show, if it gets sold, if it gets bought, if it gets put on... All great, but you've completed the game already. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I wrote a play a few years ago where the entire play was a palindrome. Wow. So the first line of dialogue was the same as the last line. Second line of dialogue was the same oh, as the palindrome wow. line. So it kind of meets in the middle. I, like, I wrote it in about oh, just three months of just being like locked in my room, like pulling my hair out. And due to things like out of my control, like the deadline was like brought forward and the money wasn't as much as we kind of thought it would be. And like the cast who actually put it on did like this amazing job of like pulling it all together but to just settling my own anxiety about what is this thing I've created yeah. I just kept saying to myself mathematically it checks out <laughs> you know like <laughs> you cannot I kept my promise I made a palindromic play and like no matter what people think of it it you know it's it, it is it is like I, I kept that promise it's, so you know it's that helped fascinating you it. <laughs> isn't it because again those restrictions and rules can just yeah they can be a, a, a let off. I remember a, a, a you Norfolk a, a lot loved all that shit. Um, when I remember like <laughs> Tim Clare and Luke and you, I'm sure we're all doing these ones where you have to. I can't remember the name of them where you can't use a certain. Oh, or yeah. you can only use one vowel. One vowel, yeah. Univocalisms. And yeah. that shit was fa- fascinating to watch. And I'd get to the end of watching all this and go, I don't actually know if any of them poems were really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just yeah, so I, I was just so into the yeah. the the. the, the the game of it, I just, I just watched an hour set of you all going back and forth with doing these. Loved every second, and I'm like, that could have all been shit. I just didn't, <laughs> you know, exactly. the the yeah. game of it there just kind of was the point of it essentially. Yeah, it does, it, and it means that you're kind of like, I mean, like, I always like, I don't even know whose quote this is. I might be like, I think I heard Billy Collins say it once, and it's like the idea, like a poem tries to escape its own subject matter. Like, you yeah. know where you are at the start, but then it's going to take you somewhere else. I think games are good for that in where you're like, I tried to write a poem about this, but like just through following these rules, I went like somewhere completely, I went deep into my memory. I, I, I thought I was writing a poem about Tesco and I ended up about, by the end of the poem, it's like I'm in Rome with my dad on a, in a boat and 
you're like, where did that come from? And I, and I think, yeah, it's that idea of just letting those rules take that journey. And of course, yeah, as you're right, as an outsider, you're like, well, is that good or is that bad? But that doesn't matter. It does. Well, it, it, it certainly <laughs> separates it, doesn't it? And it yeah. certainly means, and I think if you're going to be like an artist, it, it, everyone's different. But like, it's nice to be able in a situation where, you know, writing, a, treating writing like a way of mapping your own, your own thought pattern as a way of kind of talking to yourself and you know like yeah I, that for me is how I tend to approach stuff and some of those things end up connecting with other people and those go on to be the things that are like that have been more successful of mine and then yeah there's like there's like the other ones where it's much more cathartic it becomes much more just like me looking after my own mental health as yeah. a way of like sitting down in the morning and if I just had page fright, you know, if I just could write anything and I was just sitting there waiting for inspiration, then those periods can be quite frustrating. But if I'm just like, hey, okay, here's a word game. Let's see what comes out. That's then at least I will make something. And I think it creates stuff that wouldn't be created otherwise. Going back again to our kind of our back and forth yeah. battle, because I had that one, I wanted to do it and there's a cross stick. Yeah. Um, I had a bit in there which weirdly it got retweeted by Warren Ellis, who's one of my my favourite graphic novel guys, he wrote, he wrote Transmetropolitan, loads of amazing oh, stuff, and he's now wow. become a friend. It's how I learned he knew of me, <laughs> and it was because of this this one line in there where it said, um, "I've referenced temporal mandibular stealth." I had no idea what that is. I, was, I I had to fit it in there, and the temporal mandibular is the is kind of the jawbone, and yeah. I was, it's re- it's referencing having a beard as temporal <laughs> mandibular stealth. <laughs> That wouldn't have happened if I didn't have that restriction of yeah. I need a T, an M, yeah. an S. And it's like, Absolutely. that, that forces that. And yes. it's, it's, it's yeah, it great forces. to have those things that forces yeah. those yeah. to push you to weird levels of creativity yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than just comfort zone. Yeah. So has pushing yourself out of the comfort zone been key for this, Mark? That yeah, kind of I think a- so. I think also, like, what I like about these games and that you play within in your writing is they can be really... They're really good ways of connecting with an audience as well. I think, like, the univocalism is a really good example. Like, mm. I remember when I started battling, the first time I battled was against Mossprob, and I just just used O for a round and said I was going to do it. And as soon as everyone knows the the mechanic, everybody gets on board with what yeah. you're doing. And it's um, enjoyable as an audience member to get that, that, yeah, that buzz, particularly... And every, as soon as everyone understands that we're playing this game of going back and forth... Everybody jumps on. Yeah. Everybody's noisy. Everybody's like yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I think I, that's what I love about the game thing. I think it, if if you can explain the game clearly to people, then they'll come on the whole whole journey. I did it again. And you can kind of tease. I'm I'm not yeah. sure if it's it's that one. I've, I've 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 seen a few that have done that, and you can kind of tease intentional walls to hit, and then yeah. you get the buzz of getting over that wall because you've you've led the audience out. Well, now I need to say a word that doesn't. And then no, here we go. I've yeah, got around it. I've yeah, got over the yeah. obstacle. So with the podcast, mm. we thought we'd do something kind of similar in that we would. Episode one, I I, I travel to Mexico and I meet someone pretty high up within the music industry, and uh, I get pr- pretty honest feedback about what my rapping is like. Yeah. And the idea is that we'll do. We thought we'll, we'll we'll meet different MCs. I'll take on lessons from them. I I will play their games. You know whatever they think I yeah. need to do to kind of like improve like an, in a small way. And at the end of seven episodes. I'll release a mixtape, and that's what I've got to do. We have, I've still got to um, finish and record it, but um, we'll put out a mixtape, and then everyone we can all hear. Did the games work? Right? Yeah. Did, did 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 it improve things? And if we remove that fear, like I, I, you know, if we move the idea that it has to be perfect, but we can try and improve and, and we can learn from it, hopefully 
we can show that it is possible to improve and get better if you apply yourself to it and you listen yeah. you play the games and everything yeah else. teachable and learnable yeah there's and elements think, of it and i think even just that i think within like the you know i come from um teaching i think even within that world i think that would be a, a helpful nudge because i think there are a lot of people who are uh, young people who feel that like they're, they're re- regularly told that, that rigor is for writing for the page and nothing else yeah yeah um so anything we can do to kind of nudge back on that would be good yeah i i love that um on the productions side of it, Ross, this is a weird thing now because it's weird to ask you this with Mark here. Has Mark had to become a character in 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 a game that you're playing from <laughs> from the side? Because if because you're putting it all together and you're plotting it and you're working together on it, he's your friend. Yet from your side of the production of what we need to get across, has he had to kind of become part one of the tools? I guess in the a pawn in it all. Yeah, you're like. My dungeon master. <laughs> this is it, right? Oh, I quite like that. Yeah. No, it's, it's, no, it's completely true. Like, when, when this is, it's always a conversation, but like, yeah, I think we're trying to think of, like, Mark is a master of uh, understanding, like, the rules of status. And I think that comes not only from uh, talking about things in terms of playing, like, board games with you, even, like, stuff like, oh, one of the first things I did when I came to Peterborough was Mark invited me to a... Um, a Royal Rumble sweepstake that they like you run and hearing Mark talk about like wrestling in terms of kind of status as well like so I always feel that like Mark has always got a really good understanding of of that kind of thing and I do think we want to like play on that throughout like the, the series it's important that um that yeah that, that there is like a narrative arc to it I don't feel like we've had to force it I think basically because you've been very generous and you've also fearlessly thrown yourself into things which you don't yeah yet we've know got how to really do. articulate talented MCs I think as well who, who've spent many years thinking about why they write the way that yeah. they write yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that's that been sense. really helpful but yeah I definitely um, I don't know it has been useful seeing you kind of like with all the post-it notes that we were putting up on the board when we were starting out and we were saying well we've got to have We've got we've got to have faith. Like it is difficult when you go. There's got to be some failure in a, a quest, right? Yeah. Um, and you want, you know, a bit like when we have our, had our back and forth. You, you you want to win all the time. You want to be the one to like nail the best line. Yeah. Uh, and I, I found it quite difficult during this accepting that I'm regularly. Yeah, yeah I am regularly lower status than the people I'm, I'm meeting, and just trying to do what I can to not embarrass myself too much when I try and but, have a go but there's a weird benefit there I, I did a this is I had the weirdest experience at the end of last year I did um, a BBC Lifeline appeal for the British Stammering Association because I've got a stutter yeah and I was doing this thing and all my life I try and hold down my stutter particularly in any performance I think in front of camera I'm controlling it I'm doing techniques and I'm performing this piece to camera and going over all these bits and anytime I stutter I'm thinking Yes. Because <laughs> where I was nailing everyone, I was like, I look like I've just been brought in. I look like, why the fuck is he doing this yeah. for the British Stammering Association? Because yeah. he's not stuttering at all. So it's the weirdest experience of the only time in my life where I've stuttered on camera at a professional thing and thought, yes. Yeah. I don't think they used the ones with me stuttering in the end. But I generally, where I was nailing it, I was saying, well, this isn't going to work. And again, yeah. similarly, I'm sure, if, you've gone, if you'd gone through all these and nailed everything, you would have had, this isn't going to work if I don't, Fail yeah, at some yeah, point, so get, then yeah. you get yeah, yeah. let off of the fail. You yeah, have yeah. the fail. You go, oh, it's yeah. good for the documentary. That's scary. Yeah. You get used to, yeah. You get used to. You, we all do things, don't we, to kind of like succeed, and we and and we follow yeah. patterns, patterns of behaviour because we've been told that is 
that's working for me. That that that's good. That keeps me safe and that keeps me happy. Yeah. And then as soon as you start going, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the opposite for a bit. Um, yeah, that's 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 really tough. Yeah. Um, and I really wish I was better at. I mean, I think I'm get I'm getting <laughs> I'm improving. I am way less scared of a beat than I, I yeah. used to be. Yeah. Um, but I have still got a, a, yeah, yeah way to go. This is something that that, the, that you know, like creating art digitally does in a way that maybe isn't so true in the past. You know, when um, an artwork would be produced and kind of like delivered to you, and it's its own hermetically sealed little thing. It's yeah. like here's the artwork; it's finished. You don't yeah. know any of the rest of the story around it. Whereas I think with things like this, and in general, like the internet records everything that we do, like along the way, like the story of our lives yeah. leading up to this moment is kind of recorded in different ways. So I think the idea of suddenly turning art into a journey, you know, like any idea that you are on a journey and like people can track that journey. Yeah, it does. It it's, gives permission to fail. Yeah, it's changing the way you listen to it as well. It's what right. I, I'm excited about the mixtape at the end is you're going to be, it's, it's, it's similar to a univocalisms or whatever else where you're setting up beforehand. Here's what we've done to get here. So that changes the way you're listening to it. If, if you did a univocalism and didn't, tell anyone at the start yeah. that it was then you've got that here's my here's my tr- my trick at the end here's what you just saying but in general you know so it, it changes and this is a similar thing there where you're not j- j- just going to be listening as or at least the first time you're not just going to be listening as a mixtape you're going to be listening to the journey and the progression and if you can pick up on things that oh that's what he learned on episode two or that's oh he, that's that's clearly that's paid off that's work there yeah yeah. Which is is fascinating as a as a as a, fr- a framing of a, a piece of art. Mark looks nervous, and it's because he hasn't done the mixtape yet. And that's <laughs> yeah, why. Yeah. That's why. Like you've just. I've only got you, a few weeks left yet. Yeah. It's, we're releasing one every week, and so it's um it's yeah it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna happen. Soon. It's gonna be great, Mike. It's yeah, some of the tracks in the first episode, we 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 play samples of, of things where they are, and 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 some have already been like chucked out entirely. Some, as it goes on, kind of have been tweaked. Um, it just yeah it's 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 a really funny process and it's nice that we don't we as we've been making it we haven't known what route will go down you know Tony D said to me he wanted me to write 16 bars bragging about about things and he was like it's got to be true to yourself what are you going to brag about and so then we go away and you're like oh how am I going to do that do that and, this and is so, like therapy now yeah, right you got to so look I, into yourself yeah so I went around and interviewed everyone I could find and asked them what I'm good at and then we gather it all together and, and then it. you try and make your own track and you and you, you kind of explore it from from that and i i think um it's been really and i think actually the the mcs i've worked with have always been kind of like really i think like pleasantly surprised that they they would suggest doing something and then we and we will properly go and do it we'll study it and we'll study yeah. it and we'll, we'll take it out and we'll see it and we'll we'll play it back and we can all agree or, or you know on, on, on whether whether that has improved my skills and whether it's worked um, yeah, it's cool. I've really, I really it. been enjoyed, but I am terrified um, about where it goes. It's exciting. Um, people who are regular li- listeners will know there's normally something that if it's mentioned, I won't just let it pass by. I'll have to nerd out on it. And they might think I've let it pass by, but <laughs> briefly the, me- the 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 topic of wrestling came up. So, so let's talk <laughs> oh, about wrestling yeah. a bit, because yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. a massive r- wrestling nerd. So what kind of wrestling... Are you into are you WWE? Are you into uh, okay, so, New Japan? Uh, okay, you... this is. I mean, I think we came. I primary school. Everybody wanted to be kind of British bulldog. We yeah. had kind of like uh, we we were into kind of like uh, that kind of era. Although I couldn't watch it on TV, yeah. so I only pretty much kind of like 
took what I could t- out of like Panini sticker albums and stuff like that. And my aunt used to record it off Sky for me every now and oh, then. Oh, really? Because we didn't have Sky, but she did. And it yeah. was like, oh. I'd occasionally sneak out and, and, and uh, ran to her mates and like and watch it. But then I got really into it during, I guess, not so much since the net- the WWE Network came out, yeah. but like prior to that, like yeah. for about seven or eight years, watching it ev- raw and, uh, yeah, and, and SmackDown every week. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was at WrestleMania when the, the Undertaker lost his streak. Amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow, and that was a shock, too. That was pretty mad. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was, that was the, the, that's what we kind of built everything up to, went along. We were pretty disappointed by WrestleMania otherwise, but that moment, um, I mean, I saw. Historic. Yeah, people were cry. People yeah. were absolutely devastated. This is also an example of where, like, there is a, there is a game being played in yeah. the ring, and then there is the game of like being played like around it, or the whole kind of machinations of like, the, like of, of like how these stories are built it's, and told. And... It's it's so yeah. comparable because yeah. I think one of the big problems these days in in wrestling is we're too aware of everything. So mm. something will happen, and people will get annoyed at the booking, and it's like. Just just let it happen. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Rather than was that a good match? It's like, well, I wouldn't have chosen for that person to go over or this or that. It's like, and I, I do it myself. I'll be like, oh, I really think that it's like, wow, oh, man, we're losing some of the magic and in- enjoyment of it because we're so involved in the intricacies. And we're forgetting that if they've done that, they've probably got a plan in two weeks or a yeah. month or yeah. a year yes. or whatever else. Yet we right. get obsessed in that. The story never ends. It's like yeah. perpetual rolling storytelling, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're constantly sh- shunting and shifting things to to prepare themselves for, you know, yeah, like four weeks, five weeks down the yeah. line. Yeah. We, I mean, we, we started hanging out, really, when you moved to Peterborough, we started Royal Rumble. We, we run, a, we run a, a massive spreadsheet during the Royal Rumble. You get given, we have a pot with all the numbers uh, yeah. of the entrance, everyone draws four numbers out of the pot. Those are your numbers of your wrestlers. You don't yeah. know who they'll be. Brilliant. So when, the, when, yeah. when your number's called out, everyone's like, right, Ross is up. And then you hear the intro music, they come out. Yeah. You gain a point for every wrestler one of your wrestlers takes out of the ring and you lose two points if you take one of your own Amazing. guys out. So we spend yeah. the whole time... And there's accumulators. There's accumulators. So we have certain things that you... We also draw from a separate pot that you're looking for the whole game. So you might draw Betrayal or Blood Brilliant. or... Uh, Ask to face. Ask that's, to face. That's a big one. Yep. And any time that happens, foreign you object. shout out foreign object. Uh, ref gets knocked out. If your thing happens, you shout it out, and you'll get bonus points. But you, but I you, love it. Yeah, it's good fun. It, uh, yeah, it makes it so exciting. And it's mad because we also put in you get a point if your wrestler goes over the top rope, but then gets back in as well. Yeah. And then you start to realize when you see the spreadsheet at the end of a WrestleMania uh, Royal Rumble event, you go, actually, the guys who are knocking loads of people out, they don't go over and come back in as much. Right. And you start to realize that a lot of Wrestlers get a similar number of points. Wow. But they're yeah, kind of yeah, allocating yeah. some of them to be guys who go over and then come back in. Yeah. And some of them are just guys who are doing all the trucking, getting people out as yeah. well. So you start to see that, um, I'm sure that's not how they've weighed it up, <laughs> but everybody gets to have their kind of moment. The right yeah. moment. You're seeing some kind of like abstraction of like the dance of the whole yeah. thing, right? Yeah. You're kind of seeing yeah. it like a wireframe version. And of Kofi it. Kingston has gradually become like the most valuable wrestler to have on the Rumble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because he'll always die, go out he'll the ring some kind and of then creative come back in. Re-entry. Yeah. I, I, I love it. The Royal Rumble is always one just the most entertaining to watch even in the periods I wasn't watching I'd try and catch the Rumble yeah. maybe more so the Mania because it's yeah, just like, it's the, the Rumble same. the Rumble and Survivor Series they've got these the gimmicky matches they're great but yeah. I was watching it I was watching the last Rumble and an MMA journalist I, f- I follow was watching it because her son is a wrestling fan and she knows nothing about wrestling and 
I hadn't realised until she highlighted that the Royal Rumble, if you're not a wrestling fan, is the most boring thing ever. Because <laughs> the bulk of it is counting. Yes, that's a counting. That is the excitement. <laughs> yeah. You get the 10, 9, 8, and if you don't know who any of the wrestlers are, it doesn't mean anything oh, when course, they come yeah, out. You so you're doing anything. this counting, the anticipation's building, you're like, yes, it's... it's, it's she needs back a yeah, we, yeah, you need to put a fiver in, don't you, and get a spreadsheet going. And yeah. Then, yeah. Then you... yeah, we There's really rely on a couple of us... people to like... There's a couple of people yeah. come out and I don't know who they are and I just yeah. look to our friend I'll make, Andy. I'll make Andy. And Andy will like, just and shake his head. Nodded, and he'll just go like, <laughs> no, not going to win. Gonna yeah, win. <laughs> so I'm really relying on him to be my cipher a lot I of the time. I love it. I, I yeah. just, yeah, I think it's just... Yeah, it's a fascinating yeah. thing. I brought some mates along to an NXT event a while back and oh, well, cool. it was guys who hadn't seen wrestling since the, the 80s or something yeah. and you realise again it's a, a similar thing it's the in a way it's 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 sleight of hand or distraction because the, the wrestling part it's a, at most it's 50% of what's going on yeah. there's the storytelling there's so much other stuff going on yeah, that's yeah. not here's us in a ring doing this and yeah. and the NXT guys again if you I, I always recommend to, to, to anyone to get the WWE Network because I think the NXT product and NXT UK is as good as like the Attitude Era kind of like as yeah. anything WWE yeah. have ever done. It's it's just so good, just storytelling yeah. and the characters that they build and all that. It's uh, yeah, completely. It's fascinating. And you made a documentary on, on yeah. wrestling, right? For what was the Radio Four? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, which what was, was the basis of it? it was that was a UK, UK based U- UK wrestling, and like most of the time, most of the time we spent with uh, Insane Championship Wrestling in yep, Glasgow, yep, ICW. Um, which was, I mean, um, amazing to be in like the crowd for that, and to hear afterwards that actually massive parts of the story being changed on the fly based yeah. on what was happening and like like that I found just we basically we got to be in the in the gorilla pen for yeah. that so we're yeah. like in the corridor backstage where like the wrestlers are kind of like walking up and down and kind of like yeah. psyching themselves up and you know bothering them by like sticking mics into their face but <laughs> I don't know I just I left that oh and it was also we went to progress as well yeah. which was amazing absolutely so progress I go to a regularly and Jim Smallman's a mate of mine and he, Great. He, he runs it and again it's fascinating it's weird on that even that I'll kind of I come in the back way but I try, try not to because I don't want the magic room I don't want to look at anything or see anyone planning stuff because it's like I want to be on the other side and just yeah. see it all happen and right. not not see the Wizard of Oz coming Completely. I just want to see the yeah. magic of, yeah. but of I, I just you know like, but I, how I was that respect. to be kind of chapped into because it was at the time it was at a time when icw and progress were genuinely changing the uk wrestling scene it was it is now it's the biggest it's 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 been in 30 years or something if if not ever and icw have done shows at the what's the big arena i can't can't think of the name but one of the big arenas is a sponsored brand arena um and and progress did wembley and it's it's madness that these independent Talents with all these at the weekend. Um, I was watching the All Elite Wrestling Double or Nothing event, which an All Elite is a load of wrestlers started the, their own wrestling company. It was Cody Rhodes, who used to be um, Stardust and the son of Dusty Rhodes. I really like Cody Rhodes. He's, and, and they started this event, and originally it was to say, like, I think that, that wrestlers can make an event. And they, they put on their first event and they sold out 12,000 seats in half an hour. 
and it blew everyone's mind. And they put on their second event, it was 13,000. It sold out in four minutes. And now they're going to have a weekly show on, on ITV4 in the UK wow. and on, on TNT in America. And the one at the weekend, double or nothing, I, I, I recommend you go home and watch it. It's on, I think it's on the pay-per-view or something still. But again, it's that thing of the storytelling and the art of it yeah, all is just... Yeah. I watched it and there was tons of wrestlers where I would have had to, to look over to your mate Andy because there was loads. I'm like, I don't know who these people are, but they did such a good job of not excluding anyone yeah. b- because of that. They got the characters across yeah. quickly. They had good packages to kind of go, yeah. y- y- yes, we've got a weekly show on YouTube and we've got this and we've got that, but here we go. You're up to speed. Now let's all enjoy it together rather than feel elitist and, and left out if you're not a wrestling nerd. It's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that visual storytelling has to be so concise and so yeah. fast, doesn't it? Yeah, know? Cody Rhodes had one of those storylines that I really loved. Like he, I remember when I first saw him, he was playing a really handsome... That His anger was that he's really good looking and he's yeah. better looking than everyone else in the audience. And he was he's, all about his face. And the one thing he was terrified of was anyone striking him in the face. That was the yeah. one thing. And yeah. then... That built to then he had so, something hit him in the face, something, something yeah, massive hit yeah. him in the face. And then after that, he had to wear a massive mask. This mask that looked cool yeah, as anything. Yeah, yeah. And then that was yeah. his whole angle, was then like the, the kind of beast that he became when he had the mask on. Yeah. And I thought it was this great example of like, the oh, the one thing that I for weeks have been saying I don't want to happen yeah. is then ultimately what's going to happen to yeah. me. I, I love it when that happens. And of course thing. it's going to happen. But it's like a... A Stuart Lee joke where you kind of you know the punchline and the beauty is then him teasing you on the yeah, journey yeah. to yeah. the punchline you know it's going to happen but yeah. so many times it's not going to be the moment that you think it is and then yeah, yeah. I love yeah. it it's beautiful it's great I think a wrestling is underrated for its storytelling and its craft in, in that yeah. respect so do you remember any of the, the people you spoke to on that that documentary oh the names have gone out of my head um, that's fair enough I want yeah. But pressure you or, <laughs> or push you on it, but I see W particularly at that point w- was the most kind of ins- or it's called insane championship wrestling. But yeah. they were just going so hard; it was nuts. Everyone was really yeah. would be quite. I mean, I'd Im- imagine you you wouldn't want health and safety turning up too often to check what's going on because no. there was some madness there. But yeah. again, it's the beauty of independent artists or yeah. contractors or performers or whatever else all going yeah. Here's what we need to do to to tell this story. Yeah, completely. And I don't know, like I uh, I just had such incredible respect for these. But also knowing that like they're in this ring together, doing everything they can to keep each other safe as yeah. well. Like if like like the idea of just you know if they someone bends their head backwards instead of forwards at like a time when they're being thrown, you know they could be paralysed. You know, so yeah. that idea of like knowing just how intense that relationship is like like between them. Yeah. Know. And again, it's realising the different... Just when I got really into it, I started to nerd out on the history and realising that the reason Ric Flair was one of the biggest of all time in the, in the territories days was because he was the champ, but he was the champ who could come and make your champ look really good. And that had a lot more value than being a Hulk Hogan who will come and beat everyone and look great yeah, and then yeah. move on. Yeah. What yeah. company... I want him to come in. Flair would still win, but he'd come in and he would sell so well and take a beating yeah, so well yeah. and then cheat to win that your yeah, champ yeah, looks yeah. a million bucks because he's beaten the crap out of the world champ and then he's yeah, just cl- lost a clean it. win isn't helpful. It's and not it's helpful, such yeah. A, that's such an intelligent thing because, again, 
I'm sure if you're starting off as a wrestler, same as in any industry, you're thinking, I want to be the best one. I want to be the one that looks the best. I'm the strongest. I can do the best moves. It's like part of the skill is being able to take the moves and being able to sell the moves and being able to, all that other side of it was just, as a, as a youth, I was like, why is Ric Flair big? He's rubbish. <laughs> well, that's why he was getting a reaction out of me. I yeah. hated him. I didn't like that he had the belt because he wasn't the best. And that's part of the art form, yeah. right? It's removing that ego of thinking, I want to be the big muscly guy and going, I'm going to do good for this. Who are like the big, big heroes? Because I, I can look at the UK scene and I know and I can see who like big heels are and big heels often reflect where we are in the rest of the culture. Yeah. So there's, yeah. like, there's like a hipster like villain wrestler yeah, and there's like yeah. a, there's like a Tory kind yeah. of like villain wrestler and, and there's a Spike Trivay on the Spike UK scene is just amazing as a Tory because yeah. there's in Japan there's strong style wrestling and, and three of the biggest guys in the UK called themselves British strong style Spike Trivay out of nowhere came out posh with a bottle of champagne and called his style strong and stable style yes. and it's just instantly it's like, nice. that's such a simple wordplay yeah. that gets everyone hating you yeah. it's like I love that apparently he wrestled the day after the election yes. and cheated to win yeah. <laughs> of course he did but like, like yeah, I love those, those I don't know who the big because I think actually being heroes is harder, right? Yeah. We don't live in an era of uncomplicated heroes. Yeah. Like, like, and so I don't know who who are like the big. It it, it changes a, a a lot, you know. There's a few people. Chuck Mambo has been really good as because he kind of plays a bright and kind of surfer dude. But again, his story has been great because you are like he's just some guy, and then he's got better. Like you've got to see him get better and better, and then when he does beat someone big, oh great! It's this it's this huge moment. But at that. That, that that all elite a wrestling event at Jimmy Havoc, um, who's been part of the UK scene for years, huge part of ICW, key to progress. He signed to all elite wrestling, so so with Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega and all the biggest guys out there, and that was a huge thing for a lot of British fans at the weekend because this is is this event that's. 13,000 people at the MGM Grand in Vegas sold out in four minutes. That's amazing. And Jimmy Havoc walks out. I swear he definitely bought all his clothes from Camden Market and it's just <laughs> it's so wonderfully British and goth and wonder it's yeah it's great <laughs> but yeah it's an, it, it's an amazing scene well before I round things up and ask like what's ahead with f- fringe shows and all sorts of other things I do want to talk briefly a, a little bit about g- gaming and b- board games so oh, yeah. the only one I've played in recent years is Blood Bowl and I've oh, thoroughly wow. enjoyed it it's been Absolutely amazing. It started because... What team did you have? I think I was Orcs. Yeah. Because it was just... As a kid, I used to play a bit of... I played Hero Quest and all these things, and I loved I loved Orcs. Played the one... What was the one? Man of War that was all the, sh- the ships battling. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, yeah. That was a Games Workshop one as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but my mate Chris was like, look, I've got no one to, to play this with. Can I come round and play a, a game of Blood Bowl? And we played it. It was like four or five hours. And then the next day... Conor McGregor was fighting Floyd Mayweather and the walkouts weren't till 3 or 4am. So what better way to get to <laughs> yeah. 3 or 4am? So I said to Chris, like, do you want to bring a blood bowl round again? Because it's just perfect. It's like, that's going to be four or five hours that flies by. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what games do you Oh, uh, Loads play of games. Or? I think I used, to, I used to play blood bowl back, back when I was... Uh, at, at, at school and I've still got a copy. I, it's hard for me to find anyone to sit down and play it with. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got I've got like nearly a, 
I think I've got just about a hundred board games and card games. Amazing. I think because I think from teaching, I just like this idea that someone's created like an experience, and I can unpack it and follow it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like the crafting uh, of the whole thing. I get really into the nuts and bolts of it. Um, I, I guess the best. Ah, oh, I love that it has to take its time, and there's no sh- sh- shortcuts on it all. I think so much with gaming, yeah, computer games and stuff like that these days. Or I mean, you can just pause it or whatever else. And with a game, yeah. you've, a lot of the time you've got to play it. That's that's yeah, it takes the time it takes. I mean, there's a game called Fury of Dracula that I've that I still. I mean, it's a ridiculous game. One of you is Dracula, uh, the others are. Uh, a hunting Dracula as Dracula goes, goes on a bit of a jolly round Europe and it's a bit right. like battleships Amazing. but the Dracula player is keeping wh- which sits the owner around Europe completely <laughs> secret and then everyone else is like trying to find them oh, wow. um, And but the problem is if you find them when you're on your own it's just fucking Dracula <laughs> yeah. like, it's really bad so there's this, there's this combination of like, you kind of you have to find him but when you find him you then have this horrifying fight which if it's just you on your own you're just it's really horrible and stressful. But if you can gang it. up on him, then it's really good. And I think it, it that's did a, a game, game here a while ago that was some. It some. It felt like a knockoff version of Hero Quest. It was some kind of dungeon thing okay. where you have to get into the dungeon and into the. You have to get a certain way in and collect some stuff, but then you have to get out again. I can't remember what it was, but okay. there was three of us playing, and on the s- second move, I rolled, which meant I go down into the chambers or or whatever's down below which just meant every time i rolled it's like you've been attacked by a swarm of bats and oh. it's just literally it became the funniest thing that every time i got around <laughs> to my go again it's like there's zombies on you now it's just, just literally I just had, yeah. as the other two are having a good game enjoying the back and forth i was like unless you rolled something really obscure you couldn't get yeah. out so it's literally i had two hours of hilariously horrible things happening to me uh, yeah, I think I think good games are about choices, and I think that's it. Yeah. I think like there's a really good game I definitely recommend is uh, No Thanks, which is really cheap. I think you can get a copy for about a fiver, and it's just some numbered cards and some tokens. Yeah, and it's the simplest game uh, to play ever. Uh, and all you do every turn is you decide to either take a card and and that number you add to your total, and whoever gets the lowest score wins, or you give a token up and you pass it on right. to someone else. And that's all it is. But it's one simple choice. And it's brilliant because the choice is always meaningful. You can stitch other people up as you're yeah, playing the game. Yeah. It's uh it's really, really nice. And I think uh games has have like have had like a huge resurgence because of Kickstarter and things like that. And yeah. I think the best ones are always ones we've got loads of choice. Right, okay, yeah. Simple games with like big sort of social ripples. Yeah, right? I I like games where you can explain it to anyone really quickly and people can you can be as much of a, an expert in it as, as as anyone, but you always get to make a when it's your go, you always get to make a choice that feels meaningful, like it's going to have purpose. I think those are the really, really good ones. Do you think there's a, a, a balance somewhere still to come between board games and card games and apps and digital games and happened. stuff like that? Because it feels like today, there's, yeah. there's such a weird... It feels like the crossover's there, but it's... If it, uh, uh, when I did f- a f- a photography at uni, I dropped out after a year, but I was really anti-digital because I was like, no, proper photography. This mm. is pro- I've, I had my dark room in my in my bathroom. All this kind of thing. It's like a year later, I was like, what a fucking idiot. There's so much I can do with digital. I was like, I wasted this time. I got all this. It's like, no, I can now do amazing things. And I think there's similar in any p- progressions. There will be board game type people that are like, no, this is gaming. Yeah. 
Not yeah. that shit, but there's got to be... You've got to wear balance. down the gatekeepers, yeah. right? And, yeah, then eventually, yeah, yeah. and then you get, like, the bleeding between. Yeah. 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 There's a few that use apps and stuff. Like, there's... Yeah. um. There's a game, I just ordered it, Lord of the Rings Journeys Through Middle-Earth, where you are members of like the Lord of the Rings group. It's a whole campaign. You put an iPad out, and that has the map at the beginning. You have just, and it tells you what to put as a tile. Perfect. And then you do what you want to do, and you can press on the app, and it will give you like multiple choice decisions you have to make. So it's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure yeah. story. I'm, but I'm like, noting that as well, because my my missus is obsessed with Lord of the Rings. And oh, great. Yeah, so I, it sounds like a perfect combination. It, it, it looks pretty good. I'm going to yeah. get that. Yeah, it that looks pretty cool. Um, I think yeah, there's lots of... And there's some really cool detective ones uh, at the moment what where you? you try and solve a crime, but you can even use your phones and other other things oh, wow. to, to like... Um, right. to I love that because it feels like a natural progression. I remember the most exciting thing when I was a team was, was when Atmosphere came out. Oh, yes. And you've got a video and you've got the gatekeeper and it was like... Wow, that was mind blowing. Now it seems cheesy and rubbish, but it's like, well, hang on, you had so little control there. You had pause and play. Now you've got apps, you've got all this stuff. It's like, surely there should be a modern atmosphere and a modern and these things like that that, that, that bring it all together. So it's yes. great to hear there are ones that yeah. you can put an app in the. Oh yeah, yeah, they're, they're, the they're, they're, they're definitely. If anyone hears this and even just wants to like tweet me uh, and ask me any questions about games, I, 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 it's my, I can talk about games forever. I love, I, <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna be. Passing your details on to my mate Chris because yeah, he's it, him and his 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 cousin obsess over it and go back and forth. But, but they've D- only got the two of them coming. D and D, you would really love. More. Yeah, you would love D and D. The storytelling side of it and everything else. Yeah, again, really I think there fun. is that fear of needing a, a team as such, a team of people, a dungeon. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, all yeah, of that yeah. organization of it yeah, is yeah. always the thing that it feels like you can't do it on a whim. Yeah, there's a lot of heavy lifting the DM has to do. Yeah. But I think good D and D. You don't have to worry about all the rules. Yeah, yeah. You're just given. You you just told you're in a pub. Yeah. The door opens. A, a woman runs in and says, "My house is on fire. What yeah. do you do?" I love and it. then it's just fascinating to see yeah. what everyone comes up with because things can go bad, bad pretty quickly, yeah. and you never know what you people see, come again, out. Again, I think the other problem is I, I, I need more mates. I trust because <laughs> any of my dungeon masters would just be screwing me over. Just so that it's like, turns out you yeah. died. Yeah. What? I literally did everything yeah. right. You're dead. You, you had a sword in your is, back. Is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mention that, but here's it's like, no. I just don't trust any of my friends enough to, to, to be a dungeon master, it seems. So, so what's ahead then? Um, you, have you got shows coming up, fringe stuff? What's what's? I know the podcast is, and it's called, if we didn't say, it's called Mark Can't Rap, right? And that's, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I guess Mark Can't Rap, the mixtape. I'm, I'm then going to try and make a couple of music videos. Uh, with some mates for them, and then I'm going to Edinburgh, yeah, with a show um, uh, based upon the whole whole experience uh, at the Banshee Labyrinth. It'd be nice to be back at the Banshee Labyrinth because yeah, uh, on the free there. fringe is a, is a good old crack. A, um, a, a yeah. Rob Alton there for like three years in a row was oh, my yeah. favourite thing of the fringe yeah. every year, and I'm like, yeah. this is the free fringe. This is so ridiculous that the best thing I see every year yeah. is Rob in the Banshee Labyrinth. Rob's incredible. He's so good, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely incredible. I tried. One of the years I tried to get him on the podcast, I was up there, and he was just like, he was too, at that point, he was he wasn't sure if he was g- good or not. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "You're brilliant, yeah. you're, you're absolutely amazing." He's like, "I'm not sure." So he didn't want to c- come on because like, I don't want to give a negative vibe or have anything that's recorded that like, that when I'm at, in a state of doubt or flux, that that's the version of me that's on record. And I was like, "Well, I mean, I'll just spend the whole time saying how great you are. You're absolutely amazing." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, he's he's amazing. I'm, uh, I uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going to be taking um, uh, Mark Cunrap on the free fringe, and I'm going to be taking a show for families as well called uh, Down with the Poetry King, which is oh, all yeah. word wordy games and language games and like uh, a very silly narrative where the audience have to like defy my rule and, and make uh, poetry accessible for all as it goes on. That's going to be at the Gilded Balloon. Uh, so if you, anyone's got any kids and they want to play some play some fun games with That's words, um, that'll be on every day as well. And what about you, Ross? What you got? Um, so I'll be continuing my own podcast, Imaginary Advice, which yes. is my storytelling podcast. So that's still going to be going on uh, month in, month out. Uh, and then also, it's just other radio projects. So I'm doing like a, like a creative writing series, which is going to be coming out called The Burnt Notebook, which should be out later in the year. And also like a documentary series about uh, Arthur Craven, who was um, who was Oscar Wilde's nephew and also uh, a poet and uh, a boxer, heavyweight champion uh, for France, uh, wow. and also the most hated uh, art critic in Paris. He's a man with lots and lots of different things. A very yeah pugilistic way of writing and talking. He's fascinating, and his his death is also like shrouded in mystery so i'm currently working on that and that will probably be out on the bbc some point later in the year that sounds amazing that sounds wicked yeah oh, yeah like he's he's so fascinating and the bits do not fit together you know yeah. like he is someone who only exists kind of in like the footnotes of other people's autobiographies yeah. so like he's in trotsky's autobiography trotsky met him on a boat when they were escaping from barcelona to new york and then you know like he like and there's another poet like blaise sendras he's like his anecdote material for all these people, but he's more myth than, yeah. than man and uh, fascinating. And also was married to uh, the incredible uh, modernist poet, Mina Loy. Everybody has these different weird takes on him, but he's just, oh, and he's a deserter. Like all the time oh, wow. he's using his art to stay one step ahead of being conscripted. I love it. So, it's, wow. it's, it's hidden tr- tr- treasure, right? In, oh, yeah. in, in the days where so much is on the internet, so much information is out there for yeah. better or worse. It must be so exciting to, to to find people that it's not all documented, it's not all there, and kind of yeah. explore that. Yeah, completely. And it, yeah, like, and you you realise why he's not all there because like even like it's because there's so many lies told about him, and then like, you try and get through and like what was the true story. But even thinking of like him as this kind of urban myth, yeah. he's still this really inspirational. Sometimes you got to print, you got to print the myth, right? You yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is this amazing inspirational. Uh, guy like he gave a lecture once in New York where uh, no this one was in Paris he said that he was going to uh, shoot himself in the head live on stage and then when uh, got a packed house because he was hated as an art critic they wanted to come see what he was going to do and he said his plan was he was going to walk out on stage just wearing a thong and uh, and then just slowly read uh, a, a short story by Victor Hugo. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, like, you know, like, and the stories of him, like, yeah, like throwing his clothes at audiences and all it's kinds like, of weird stuff that he was just... It sounds like the, he was the original internet troll before the yeah. internet. It was exactly. a pre-internet troll. Exactly He's that. going to fuck you yeah. all out. I'm going to... Yeah. Get you all here just to annoy you. Yeah, it's just like the idea. I'd rather be talked about. You yeah. know, I don't care what people say. He's exactly yeah. He could have he invents that. I love it. For better or for worse. So, so where can people keep up to date on what both of you are up to, Ross? Where, where's um, the best place? yeah, probably my actually my my website. If you go to imaginaryadvice.com, yep. that's where it all goes. Yeah, perfect, lovely. And Mark, uh, yeah, I guess markcartrap.com or at Monte Cristo on Twitter. I'm normally kind of. Rambling stuff about the about the adventure on there. Um, Excellent. Yeah. 
Well, thank you very much. It's been an absolute thank pleasure. It's so flown by. Oh, it's been really, really lovely. Really thank cool you for coming down. Nice one, guys. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. I hope you enjoyed that. I'll keep this outro brief as it was a a fair length of a chat. As I mentioned at the start, obviously you're going to be chomping at the bit to go and check out um, Mark Can't Rap, but also check out Imaginary Advice. They're both both great. Imaginary Advice has been going a fair bit longer, so... You know, there's a lot to to dip into there, but Mark can't rap. You can kind of jump in at the start. There's only been four, maybe five episodes when this comes out, so you can follow along with that. And they're short; they're like half hour or less each each one. So it's a kind of good bite sized uh, bit of entertainment for you. Um, yeah, thank you for tuning in. I'll be back next week. Um, th- this week, interestingly. I'm either record. I'm meant to be recording three podcasts. I might be recording none, but if I do record them, it's, it's it's some of the best guests I've had, and some people I've been trying to get on for a long time. So I'll be posting obviously preview pictures after I've recorded them over at Patreon.com/slash Scroobius Pip. So go and have a look there if you want to peep behind the curtain. But other than that, I'll see you next week when I'm joined by. And this is an exciting one. In fact, I'm going to get... This is so exciting, I should have mentioned it in the intro. So I've not done this in a while, but I'm going to get Buddy Peace, my master producer, to cut this and put it in the intro as well as in the outro. So you will have already heard this next bit, but you wouldn't have known that it's been snuck in. So I'll do it and see if I've just remembered it. And then he can sneak it in there. Um, Oh! Also, I should mention that next week's guest is Jed Mercurio, the writer and showrunner of a little show called Line of Duty, the biggest show of the year so far. Another little show called The Bodyguard, or just Bodyguard, sorry. Another show called Bodies. He's He's done just so many good shows. So yeah, that's, I think you can agree, incredibly exciting. Um, so exciting that you don't mind hearing this part at the end, even though you heard it earlier at the beginning. Um, I'll see you all next week. Have a good one. Ta-ta!